Hi there, I'm Jim. I'm Jen. Let's talk teaching. Welcome to Let's Talk Teaching, a podcast from the Center for Integrated Professional Development here at Illinois State University. I'm Jim G. And joining me once again, our Director of Scholarly Teaching. Why are we laughing? It's Dr. Jennifer Freeberg. Hi, Jen. <laughs> Hi, Jim. I feel like I was just in this seat. <laughs> you were, yes. and, and you may be for a while today yeah. <laughs> yet. So, um, well, you know, welcome back. We, we were talking uh, earlier this week about what we wanted to do for this particular episode looking at the time of year and looking what at some of the projects that we've been working on here at the center this summer that are not related to a certain change in learning management system. We won't talk about that today. We, we don't need to talk about that today. Mm-mm. But what we do want to talk about is what we do at our center for new and early career faculty and taking it from not just kind of a, a listing of the menu options that we have um, available to people, but but talk really about what are some practical things that people who are going to be new to teaching to campus, whether they're tenure track, non-tenure track, even graduate teaching assistants, what can they do to prepare for fall? And then, of course, we do want to go over the menu a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So what are your initial thoughts about new faculty and some of the um, well, first of all, how do we def- what what is what are new faculty members? What are new faculty? Who are they? Who are they? Um, they are our brand new faculty, and and in that we would subsume our tenure line faculty who are just starting their their first year, their first semester teaching with us here at ISU, but also uh, new course instructors that might be non tenure track or even graduate teaching assistants. Um, these are folks who are joining us here on campus for the first time. And there are new faculty. And we, we would consider them to be new faculty for their first semester or two. And then there's sort of a smooth, yeah, not, not really even talked about, transition to early career faculty. Right. Which... Well, we will talk about that yes. a, a little bit later, I think. Um, and, it, you know, it's, I know this happens on other campuses. For those who listen to the podcast who aren't at Illinois State, or maybe for some folks who are, that term faculty gets used in many different contexts, right? Right. Uh, to the point where when we talk about faculty success, we are a little concerned that we don't want to, that to alienate people who aren't tenure line research conducting faculty mm-hmm. members. So when it comes to teaching, especially faculty is kind of a more of an umbrella term, right? Right, right. And we, we broadly use course instructors, but there, when we're talking about new faculty, there are some some different considerations for our tenure line folks that sure. might not be um, something that is as cumbersome for our non-tenure line mm-hmm. faculty. And so there's, there, yes, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of crossover and uh, yeah, we, we aim to include, not exclude, but we say faculty in that in this context when we're talking about supports and structures and, and sure. ensuring faculty success, yeah, we're putting everyone in one basket. So it's been a while since you've been a new faculty member on our campus. A little bit. It's been a while since I've been a new instructor on our campus. But can you uh, kind of, in the spirit of what you're talking about, can you kind of highlight what are some of the challenges that people face? You're, you're, you've just signed on the dotted line. It's the new fiscal year. You're getting ready to start. You're going to be teaching classes on mm-hmm. August well, this year, August 21st. Right, right. Well, most of us, when we start out, are given new courses to design and develop. And so for your your general tenure line faculty member coming into campus, they may be preparing to teach two or three classes they've never taught before. Right. And so getting those classes, uh, you know, wrangled, designed well, mm-hmm. um, and thinking about how to set up uh, the, the learning experiences for their their students in the coming semester, that that's a... 
a pretty big hill to climb. Mm-hmm. Um, w- you know, faculty are content experts. They wouldn't be hired to teach if they weren't. But right. thinking about how to put all that content into usable modules or usable, um, you know, individual course uh, sessions to have them make sense and be cohesive and, and you know, and, and work students to the finish line in the way that, you know, is advantageous to the student, right? Right, right. Um, you know, it's it's a lot to undertake. And, and our new faculty have a lot they are expected to do outside of teaching. Mm-hmm. And so I think that for me um, and for those I've talked to, the single biggest uh, roadblock initially is finding balance, fi- figuring out how much time do I spend teaching versus writing up my dissertation to, to, <laughs> to mm-hmm. have it published, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. And there's a tension there that, that's difficult at first, I think. Sure, sure. And I think that those who, you know, when you come on board, and um, certainly there are new faculty members who have taught at other institutions, either mm-hmm. in graduate school or as a, as a faculty member, you know, in their own right there, mm-hmm. um, who are bringing their syllabus with them and, and they're just sure. going to try to make it fit and whatever. They already know what the textbook is and all that other stuff. My experience was, um, you know, as a, as a part-time non-tenure track faculty member, um, uh, well, even in, and even taking over someone else's course when I was still in graduate school here, come to think of it, was... All right, here's all my stuff. You know, go Run. with God. Right. <laughs> you know, via Yes. Yes. And it was, uh, and they went off and did their other thing, which was which was great. It was nice that they had faith in me. Mm-hmm. But um, I had to I had to make the decision of so I did have something to work with. Right. But I had to make the decision of how much change do I make. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. You, you if you have someone else's materials, you have their words and their their content, but you don't know their intention. You yeah. know, so you you yeah. I, I always struggle with that. My colleagues in, in CSD were always so lovely to share, especially early on in my my career here, mm-hmm. um, you know, their their PowerPoints and their, you know, the things that they did in courses that I was taking over. But personally I found that was more disruptive than helpful because I spent so much time trying to decode what they had done that mm-hmm. it would have been easier for me to start over that's a mm-hmm. totally personal thing though sure. I, plenty of people would sure. go in exactly the other direction and yeah. disagree with that so well and in your discipline uh, communication sciences and disorders mm-hmm. you said CSD yeah my knowledge of that department is that the, it is um, a very regimented program I, mm-hmm. is that a fair way to put it I don't know if that's a in, in other words one course leads into another m- Maybe in some cases more than other. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've got our undergrad and graduate program, and and neither is lockstep. The yeah. graduate is more so okay. cohort based, where there's yeah. you know it's yeah. um, undergraduate. There are definitely prerequisites, but because the students are learning about individual disorders, yeah. it can be kind of constructed yeah. in different ways. So. Yeah, and, and the reason I brought that up was because that's another consideration that I remember having in in one particular class I took over um, early on, which was. This was the class that fed into a lot of other classes within mm-hmm. that particular area of the major. Right. Um, and not only did I have the learning outcomes I felt that the students should achieve, but there were also all of my my new colleagues were looking mm-hmm. over my shoulder too. Like, you're you're telling them about X, right? Right. Right. They're learning about Y, right? Well, and you know, I think it's it's so interesting because. Uh, so going back to Randy Bass, um, I've talked about him in other podcasts, but he um, back, oh gosh, I want to say 99, he published an article that talked um, specifically about the need to problematize teaching and in the same way that we do scholarship. So, you know, if, if you're a faculty member and you go into the break room and, and you say to someone, I, I don't know what I should do with this the survey data and what statistics should I run and should I do regression, you know, whatever the case might be. 
those conversations are thought to be very scholarly in nature, and they're really respected, right? You have two high-level intellectuals talking about part of their work. This is great. And Randy Bass talked about the fact that we need to do the same with teaching and hold um, conversations about what we do as teachers and decisions that we make as, as course instructors with that same rigor and, and mm-hmm. respect. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, along those lines, I, I hope that our new faculty um, feel encouraged to problematize their teaching and go into some of their peers' um, you know, offices and say, this is what I want to do with this class. What if will that have on the classes down the road? Like right. have those conversations about, okay, how do we set our students up to really succeed in this program and how do we make it cohesive? And and here's what I want to do, but I don't want to stand in the way right. of, of, you know, the downstream. Right. Right. <laughs> so, and I, I think that the, the new faculty should feel that they can do that. Yeah, I agree. And I think that sounds very empowering in, in that and very practical in some ways because the culture is different in Okay, here's a here's a dumb statement. The culture is different in different academic departments. Nuh-uh. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> but um, there are going to be some places where they are very collaborative, mm-hmm. or there may be some places where there is a program coordinator mm-hmm. uh, that is much more active amongst their faculty colleagues as opposed to other ones. And there are some that are like, hey, I don't want anyone telling me how to do my thing, so I'm not going to tell you how to do your thing, right. where you're asking for that, that input mm-hmm. at least. You know, mm-hmm. maybe not marching orders, but at right. least... A perspective. So it sounds like one way to strike that balance is to have a conversation with your colleagues, your new Absolutely. colleagues. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I would encourage that. You at least can get a barometer reading, right, sure. of what that culture is, sure. you know, sure. where, where where that request or sure. that, that, you know, conversation yeah. could, could go. But I think the nice thing is, is even if you don't feel like you can have those conversations because of whatever reason with mm-hmm. your immediate peers, there's lots of opportunities on campus, you know, sure. different um, support networks and learning communities that we have through our center. Yes. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I think is underutilized by new faculty on our campus are consultations with our staff, you yeah. know, the ability to sit down and say, hey, I really don't feel like I can talk about this with my peers. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. You know, what 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 do you think? What kind of resources do you know of? What does the evidence suggest? So, you know, we can have those kinds of conversations in our departments, schools, units, and outside yeah. um, with supportive structures like ours. Yeah. And so if people are listening to this and they are interested in a consultation, whether you're new faculty or not, mm-hmm. you can go to provdev.illinoisstate.edu. Uh, there's a teaching support uh, tab up at the top of the website, and mm-hmm. that will get you to a whole list of different things we do, including consultations. It does surprise me a little bit when you say that only because... Well, and this is certainly not a scientific uh, readout of of the situation because we know that there are some departments who, when they are um, interviewing, when they have a position that they're trying to fill, the candidates will come by and talk to us about Mm -hmm. our services, and other departments don't do that. Um, Whenever I do those sort of candidate welcomes, we call them now, Mm -hmm. um, they're always very excited to learn about the kind of the the breadth and depth of consultations that we do. Mm -hmm. A lot of them, I find, are coming from places if they have a teaching support center, it's much more of on the technical end of right, things. Right, right. Um, maybe there's one person who is doing a combination of professional development and SOTL mm-hmm. um, part-time mm-hmm. as part-time, a release, yeah. as a release, <laughs> yes. you know, a, a one-course release or something. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so yeah, hopefully we can, we can get the word out about that and, and get yeah. more people involved in that. So you talked also about uh, support groups and stuff like that. And that journey kind of starts for new faculty on our campus with 
what we love to call, because, hey, we're a college campus and we like our acronyms and mm-hmm. initializations, NFO. Which stands for New Faculty Orientation. Yeah, it's not really a whole profound. Um, <laughs> nope. it, that, that at least wasn't a tortured acronym That's or right. anything like that. So um, we've, we've done previous podcasts back mainly in the before pandemic times when mm-hmm. NFO was kind of all crammed into one day. We have, we've talked before about how we have spread it out a little bit over yeah. the course of that week. Mm-hmm. Um, why did we do that? Actually, it was the pandemic that led us to that. Okay. And, and yeah, it was, I think it was primarily the pandemic. I, mm-hmm. it used to be that faculty, NFO was all day the Monday before the fall semester started. Right. And it was, um, like drinking out of the fire hose. There was so yeah. much information that was coming at new faculty and it was, it was just a lot. And when we had to move to a virtual environment, uh, for NFO in 2020, um, we were looking for ways to not be on Zoom for eight hours. That, right. se- that seemed right. to be, you right. know, not a, a good choice right. <laughs> to make. Right. And so how could we, you know, parcel out what we felt were the critical things that faculty needed right away before mm-hmm. the fall semester started? Supports, uh, resources, ideas, connections. Um, and, and so we uh, got to the point where we had a morning um, welcome session and then spread out other content through the week with mm-hmm. other campus um, uh, colleagues and collaborators, you and, know, folks from different units and, you know, that sort of thing. And I think we've also found that that um, that's just a little more convenient for people, mm-hmm. you know, because if you are new faculty, you may not already be in the area. You're pro- you may be moving in. You right. may be setting up house. You need to go. You need to go open a bank account. You need to find mm-hmm. child care. Absolutely. Um, well, and know. this also had the benefit of allowing other faculty to join us. So it's not right. just the new faculty. It's some of the programming yeah. for NFO. Sometimes yeah. it's early career. Sometimes it's open to everybody, depending on the topic. So, right. Right. you know, we tried um, the one of the main objectives for NFO for us and our staff as we plan this is thinking about how do we um, expose our new faculty to uh, networks. Right. You know, so they right. can can really feel like they've found a home here right. at ISU. Um, and, and I think uh, Dana Carricker, who is our assistant director for educational development program, she is uh, the lead on all of the events, the mm-hmm. big events that we do, NFO, mm-hmm. our symposium, that sort of thing. She's done a lovely job of, of trying to really build um, a community amongst the, the new and early career faculty. Mm-hmm. And I think she's been very successful with that. The pendulum did swing back the other way just a little bit. We felt it was important to have some sort of a face-to-face event. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of these workshops through the rest of the week are not – they're not all entirely online. Some of them are also face-to-face. Right. But that Monday event, the week before classes start, when mm-hmm. everyone is coming in, right. um, it's a chance for them to, to sit next to people mm-hmm. who are in similar circumstances, if not in a similar discipline. You get you get fed a little bit. That's always yeah. good. Yep. But it's not like you said. It's not the whole fire hose day where you spend eight hours at the student center, going through workshops, and then you have to go schmooze with the president at the university right. residence and, right. and be coherent <laughs> and be coherent. You yeah. know. Yeah. So um, so for those who are who are eligible to attend new faculty orientation, mm-hmm. you should have already been uh, communicated with. I know Dana and our colleague Chastity Logan. Um, that takes up a, a good deal of effort in their summer to get yes, that all does. organized. Um, but if people want to find out about what happens at new faculty orientation, you can go to our website, again, prodev.illinoisstate.edu. And um, there is a group of quick links on the homepage, and one of them is new and early career faculty. Mm-hmm. So that will get you there. Mm-hmm. So we can wrap up a little bit by doing what we, what we kind of teased at the beginning. What does that threshold look like? between new and early career faculty what what is it is it like breaking the sound barrier is it just <laughs> is it just a, a does it 
What is it like? I, I It probably depends on each individual's experience, right? I'm not going to say that nine months and one day into the job, you you automatically get a new title. You're early career faculty. You're no longer new right. ca- new faculty. I think people who come here a little more seasoned might might fit into the early career you know role or or persona mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe right, a little right. bit sooner. Yeah. Um, but you know, really, we ca- we would consider anyone in their first year here new faculty, mm-hmm. um, and then they transition. The first three years could be you know, considered the early career zone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have special programs and, and groups that are targeted just at those faculty. So um, that the network building and, and uh, connections that are built that first year, starting yeah. with NFO, can continue. Yeah. Yeah. The early career learning community, um, mm-hmm. which has had different names over the years, but mm-hmm. it's essentially been the same thing. It's been one of our more successful programs, yep. I, I really do yep. believe. Um, it, it really is a chance to build, as you said, on those relationships that you may begin at at new faculty orientation but it's also a really great way to keep in contact with people that you're not otherwise going to see mm-hmm. absolutely on campus and, and these become trusted colleagues because they aren't in a position where you're working with them every day most of them and and i've sat in on enough of those uh, meetings where i know someone will come to the table and say i had this really awesome thing happen today mm-hmm. and they'll talk about it but equally they'll say i'm having this problem and i don't know how to fix it and for whatever reason i don't feel comfortable talking to my people about it in my department. And, right. and, you know, there's some really, really wonderful conversations that happen in what I would consider to be a, sort of a Las Vegas zone. You know, what happens in Las Vegas yeah. stays in Las Vegas. Yeah. It becomes a, a kind of a circle of trust, you know, yeah. with the folks yeah. trying to help each other out, which I think is great. Yeah. And there's usually a theme to the meetings. There's mm-hmm. there's usually, um, if there's not actual reading, uh, you know, sometimes they provide a book. Um, uh, but we have always told new faculty members that we also realize how busy you are, so Absolutely. we don't expect you to read the book. There's an executive summary <laughs> or something like that. You know, it'll oh, be yeah. the topic, and, and then you can get to it when you can get to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, and with our ahead. new center structure, we're doing more with research. So we, you know, we're bringing research and creative activity into some of what we're well, doing with the early career folks. And, you yeah. know, so it's, 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 we're trying to appeal to the whole yeah. faculty member. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and that is, uh, you know... Stay tuned. More coming on yeah. that. <laughs> well, it, but I did want to ask you to, uh, I don't want to say put on your uh, cross-endowed chair in the Scholarship of Teaching and Learning hat, because I know you wear it all the time. Should a brand new to campus in fall of 2023 faculty member be concerned about doing some SOTL work, or is that something that that's a good thing to do a little uh, year two or year three? I think that, um, you know, I'm going to say SOTL's never bad, but I, I will say that unless you come into the university with that already as part of your research agenda, mm-hmm. that um, actually new faculty are probably better positioned to apply SOTL than to do SOTL initially. Sure. So, you know, I think um, rumor has it there's going to be a podcast talking about what scholarly teaching is, and that's really what I'm describing here. So, um, <laughs> that, rumor, rumor has it, yes. yes. So, um, you know, use the, the, the published SOTL to inform evidence-informed or evidence-based, you know, kinds of pedagogies in the classroom. And and we certainly stand ready to help people find that, too. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I guess a a good good cap to that whole thought and perhaps to our episode today is um, the summer following your first year here. Mm -hmm. So your first full summer as a faculty member. We still offer, it's it's metamorphosized, it's been optimized, Mm -hmm. something called Design Your Course. Mm -hmm. When I sit down to potential, you know, candidates for jobs who come in, I say, look, you're going to be busy in the fall. So you're going to inherit a course. You're, you're going to make the best of it. You're going to. Mm-hmm. And, I, and going back to that idea, by the way, my advice would be don't try to redesign that course completely. 
um, you know, starting mm-hmm. August fourteenth or whatever right. it is. Um, you know, tweak what you need to tweak, but mm-hmm. try to try to you know communicate ahead of time with your students about what you may change and, and et cetera. Um, spring, you'll have a little bit more time over winter break if you want to tweak it. If you're if you're if you're doing the same course again, you know, I know some people have different mm-hmm. loads. Mm-hmm. Fall and spring. You're going to be sick of that by <laughs> summer, so it's time to go in and design right. a course. So if, if I remember correctly, design your course is really kind of based on the idea that if you can redesign or, or design from the ground up one course, mm-hmm. you can apply what you learn in that, in that uh, professional development experience mm-hmm. to knock out other courses Absolutely. as well. And, and as part of our Summer Institute, that's where we have what we call our deeper dives. Yeah. And so we have many cohorts, actually, that are focused on either planning a SOTL project um, or redesigning a class for uh, equity, diversity, inclusion, or to um, infuse civic engagement into a course or global curricula. Um, and so DYC is a program that's for any course. And mm-hmm. we do have those experiences for specific kinds of, yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, well, and DYC has, has always been pitched for new or early career faculty Absolutely. first, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Jen. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And that's all the time we have for this episode of Let's Talk Teaching. Find out more about, well, pretty much everything we've been talking about today. <laughs> One more time. ProDev, that's P-R-O-D-E-V dot Illinois State dot E-D-U. For Dr. Jennifer Freeberg and for all my colleagues here at the center, until we talk again. Happy teaching.